Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The INVOS monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise noted. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on the value of NEARS in clinical practice in the NICU, how can the use of NEARS be valuable in managing ventilation in neonates? To help provide insight into this topic is Dr. Scott Duncan, Professor and Chief Division of Neonatal Medicine, Department of Pediatrics at University of Louisville School of Medicine. In this segment, we're going to focus on the value of near-infrared spectroscopy in managing ventilation in the neonate. Near-infrared spectroscopy measures the real-time venous reserve capacity following tissue oxygen extraction in a specific region or tissue under the sensor. There's both a shallow pathway, a shorter distance photodetector, and a deep pathway, a farther distance photodetector. In this illustration, the short pathway is subtracted from the deep pathway so that the tissue of interest is approximately two and a half centimeters below the probe, avoiding contamination from skin, bone, and dura when monitoring regional saturation of the brain. The brain is a high extraction organ and the kidney is a low extraction organ, such that the renal saturations tend to be higher than the cerebral saturations. In this graph, we see a premature infant born at 28 weeks gestation who was admitted to the NICU with a diagnosis of respiratory distress syndrome and possible sepsis. Upon admission to the NICU, the infant was placed on mechanical ventilation using a high-frequency oscillatory ventilator and given surfactant. In addition to the standard clinical monitoring used in the NICU, regional oximetry was used to monitor the cerebral and perirenal tissue beds. Oscillatory ventilation support was initiated with a mean airway pressure of 16 centimeters of water. Initial cerebral and somatic regional oxygenation values were in the 60s and 80s, respectively. Ventilator support was increased from a mean airway pressure of 16 to 17 in response to a low partial pressure of oxygen from the arterial blood gas. The patient was also given a second dose of surfactant. The perirenal regional oxygen saturation steadily declined over the first hour and a half to a level of 40s. The infant's mean arterial blood pressure was averaging approximately 25 millimeters of mercury and dopamine was initiated. After a brief improvement in the perirenal regional oxygenation values, those values declined to the 30s over the following hour. Considering the potential for lung overinflation caused by mean airway pressure on high frequency oscillatory ventilation and the impact this can have on hemodynamic function, the decision was made to decrease the mean airway pressure from 17 to 15 centimeters of water. 
This decrease in mean airway pressure was accomplished by an immediate rise in perirenal regional saturation values to the 80s. This improvement surpassed the original regional saturation baseline of 57. Also note the increase in the cerebral regional oxygenation saturations as well. The mean arterial pressure remains steady, averaging around 25 millimeters of mercury, and an increase in dopamine was not necessary. In this instant, regional oxygenation saturation enabled the team to assess and maintain hemodynamic stability of the patient. With the additional information, the team was able to decrease the amount of ventilator support and avoid additional doses of vasopressors while maintaining adequate oxygenation and perfusion of the cerebral and somatic tissue beds. In this example, a 510-gram, 23-and-a-half-week gestational age infant was switched from a pressure-cycled ventilator with a mean airway pressure of 11 to a high-frequency oscillatory ventilator with a mean airway pressure of 12 at approximately 3 a.m. There was no significant change in the heart rate, the blood pressure, or arterial saturations after starting oscillatory ventilation. However, the cerebral regional oximity values declined dramatically over the next several hours. The mean airway pressure was decreased to 11 at 05.30, to 9 at 06.30, and to 8 at 07.30. Recall that the mean airway pressure on a conventional ventilation and initially on the oscillator were similar. It's possible that the constant application of mean airway pressure with a high-frequency oscillatory ventilator impeded the venous return and decreased the cardiac output, which rebounded once the mean airway pressure was reduced below a critical threshold. Cyclic variations in pressures occur with conventional ventilation may have less of an impact on venous return. The evidence of hyperinflation on radiograph and the smaller heart size while on high frequency oscillator would support this opinion. We know that monitoring cerebral near-infrared spectroscopy values may detect changes in cerebral perfusion and subsequently influence ventilation management, as well as the treatment of patent ductus arteriosus, the maintenance of a neutral thermic environment, and metabolically avoiding hyper or hypoglycemia. Early changes in cerebral perfusion is not detected by pulse oximetry, partial pressures of oxygen, or blood pressure, all of which are global measures. In this example, consider the term infant admitted to the NICU after a prolonged preductal oxygen saturation of 60%. The infant was subsequently diagnosed with congenital cardiac abnormality, prompting prostaglandin E administration. The infant was intubated after sustained hypoxemia and oxygen saturations increased to approximately 85%. After intubation, cerebral regional oxygen saturation was critically low at 40%, while renal regional oxygen saturations remained within normal limits at 75%. Blood gas and pH lab values indicated hypocarbia. Recall that hypercarbia leads to systemic vasodilation explain the renal nears, but causes vasoconstriction in the cerebral vasculature. Modifying the ventilator settings improved the cerebral regional oxygen saturations, relieving the hypocarbia-induced vasoconstriction. Here's a second case demonstrating the effects of hyperventilation on cerebral perfusion. While the systemic perfusion is maintained, cerebral perfusion declines, presumably due to vasoconstriction associated with hypocarbia. 
as carbon dioxide levels declined to 26, cerebral regional saturation levels were in the 40s. By altering assisted ventilation to allow carbon dioxide levels to return to near normal, cerebral regional oxygen saturation levels were restored to baseline. This also brings to mind a side note, and that is the importance of establishing a baseline when initiating NEARS monitoring. Note that the original cerebral regional oxygen saturations were between 60 and 70. These values declined by approximately 30% during the period of hypercarbia. So while you're looking for a trend, you also need to be aware of the baseline values. Finally, how do you approach specific interventions to improve cerebral oxygenation? Think of this in simple economic terms, supply and demand. We either wanna increase the delivery or reduce the demand. To increase cerebral perfusion pressure, we increase the delivery by increasing blood pressure, systemic vascular resistance, carbon dioxide, or decrease the central venous pressure. Reducing cerebral vascular resistance can occur through increasing the partial pressure of carbon dioxide. Increasing partial pressure of oxygen includes maneuvers such as increasing FiO2 delivery, transfusion of packed red blood cells to increase carrying capacity, and other interventions such as intubation and assisted ventilation. In treating renal hypoxia, think of increasing cardiac output by optimizing preload, afterload, rate, rhythm, and contractility, maintaining a neutral thermal environment, reducing sympathetic outflow by increasing inotrope infusions or decreasing nitroprusside, consider renal vasodilators such as melrenone. In summary, NEARS monitoring provides real-time non-invasive measurement of oxygen balance in the regional tissue beds and is an indicator of regional oxygen changes associated with compromised blood flow in states such as shock. The regional oxygen saturation immediately reflects the impact of your intervention. These cases demonstrate the need to follow the trends in NEAR monitoring, and recent literature demonstrates an increasing number of clinical applications in neonatology. The clinical value and benefits include the immediate recognition of the impact of the interventions, the provision of an objective piece of data, and the ability to show real-time physiology and changes ongoing in the tissue beds of interest. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and look for other cases in this continuing series. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.